Last week, we talked about some attributes from 2 Peter chapter 1, that if those things were in our lives, there's a promise there from God that says that we would be productive and that it would keep us from stumbling in our Christian lives. And some of those things in the list weren't, weren't crazy things, things that we had never heard before. But as Peter says in that particular passage of Scripture, my job is to remind you of those things, to stir you up, to stir up your remembrance, to stir the pot, if you will, so that you will go back and do, as we mentioned last week, the fundamentals. When a football team, football's in the air right now, isn't doing well, they go back to those things, they go back to the fundamentals, they go back to the things that they know that if they do these things, that they will be a good football team. If you do these things as a believer in Christ, you will grow. You will be the kind of person that God has called you to be, the believer that he's called you to be. And so those fundamentals are really important. And so we're going to go back to one of those fundamentals this morning as well. And what I want to do this morning is to talk about prayer. It came up in our men's Bible study that we've had, but it's been something that's been on my mind a lot. And so I want us to go back to that kind of fundamental and talk about that today. Because prayer is a very key fundamental. But as simple as it should be, it's probably one of those things that people struggle with the most. I very rarely run across a Christian or believer who says, I've, I've got this down. I'm a, I don't say a good prayer, but, you know, this is something that I've got and I'm doing well at. You know, and, and it's not... It's not something that as simple as it is, that is all, all that easy sometimes. But what I want us to do is to begin with the model prayer that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 6. There was a, this shows up in two parts of Scripture. At one point, the disciples actually asked Jesus, they say, Hey, would you teach us how to pray? And so this is what he says, and you've, you've heard this a million times, I'm sure. If you're from some other traditions... Um, like Methodist Church or what have you or others, you probably have this memorized. And there's a couple versions, but it says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, and of course, the ending in some other places for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the what? And the glory forever. Play ball. No, amen. Okay. And so what we see here is this model, and Jesus says this. And it's funny, when you give a model, you're not necessarily supposed to just copy it. And that's what we've done in a lot of, a lot of circles. We just copy it and we say those same words. Nothing wrong with that, but it was really a model to say this is the kind of way, this is the kind of prayer that you can say. In other words, you know, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name is a sense of worship. Take a moment when you pray to worship me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, the way that you do things, would it be like that here? Would it be like that right now in this situation? Would it be like that in my family? Would it be like that in my workplace with this issue that I'm struggling with? Would it be like your kingdom? You know, the, the Jews believed that the temple, where the temple was, where it was built, that that was a place where heaven and earth crossed. 
That's where God touched earth, if you will. The very presence of God was there. And essentially, that's what this prayer is. It's saying, Lord, would it, would it be like the temple in this moment? Would your presence be fully here in this time, in this moment, in this place? Because we need you. So say a prayer of worship. Say a prayer where, Lord, have your way here. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Give us the things you need right now. It's interesting it says daily bread. Bread for this moment, not bread for tomorrow and for the next day and the day after that. For this very moment, Lord, will you help us? And forgive us our debts. Forgive us our debts, meaning really our sins, the things that we have done wrong. Forgive us our debts. And it says this in the same breath, as we have forgiven our debtors, those who have sinned against us. Lord, forgive us the things we've done wrong as we forgive people the things they've done wrong to us. It really gets our heart in the right place, doesn't it? Okay? And lead us not into temptation. Help us from the stuff we struggle with. Whatever that may be, Lord, help us with that and deliver us from it. Deliver us from evil. So this kind of prayer, if you say something like that, it really gets you in the right place. It really gets you focused in your heart and your mind where it needs to be. This attitude of worship, this attitude of God's kingdom being number one in this moment, the things that we need, the forgiveness and temptation all put into place. That's why it was a great model prayer. Now, one of the things that's cool about prayer is that we find in the Bible a lot of promises related to prayer. Last week, one of the things that we said was, uh, as we read in Second Peter chapter 1, that we get to participate in the promises of God. Participating in the promises of God is participating in the divine nature. It's participating with God himself. Claiming these promises, following through, and talking to God about his promises is this way of interacting with him, this closeness that we have. And we find all kinds of promises in Scripture that have to do with prayer. And I want to just quickly go through some of those this morning. What are some of the promises that he gives us? In Luke eleven nine, this is a promise. He says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. This could be a whole sermon in and of itself. Lord, if we ask you for this, you'll give it to us. If we seek something, we're trying to find something, you'll show it to us. If we knock, the door will be opened. Awesome promise. I mentioned this one last week out of 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, that says this, that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. A great, awesome promise from God that says if we do these things, he will heal our land. A great thing to pay attention to in the world we're living in right now. In James chapter 5, here's another one. It says, if, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. 
The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Awesome promise. Are you sick? Come forward. Let's get the elders together. We pray for you. You're healed. Prayer of faith, it says. An awesome promise that God gives. There's a lot of promises that are wrapped around prayer. In Mark chapter 11, another example says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Another promise. It's very specific, isn't it? It's not, you know, it's not a lot of wiggle room here to say, well, maybe he means this. He's very clear. In John 15, 7 as well, it says this, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Another great promise. Abiding in him and him in us shows this intimacy, though, this very closeness with God. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That's a, that's a, that's a crazy promise. Jeremiah 33.3, this is a cool verse too, a little bit different spin on it. It says, call to me. Now we're calling, by the way. We're asking, what are we doing? We are praying. We're talking with the Lord. Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. You ever just needed an answer to a problem, a question that you have, Lord, what do I do about this? What's the answer in this situation? Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. He says this as well in the book of James where he says to ask for wisdom and I will give it to you generously. It's one of my favorite verses because I need a lot of wisdom. Lord, what do I do? What do I do in this situation? So we're full when it comes to prayer of all kinds of promises. Now, I want you to hold on to that because I'm sure a lot of you are thinking about, about that when it comes to, well, I've prayed for some things, but we'll get to that. But so we're going to the fundamentals. We're talking about prayer. We're, we're claiming his promises, okay? But as it said in 2 Peter last week, these fundamentals are things that you have to do with diligence, right? You don't do it half-heartedly. If you're going to tackle that guy, what do they say? What? You've got to wrap up, right? Arms fully around, fully engaged, so that person's not going to come down. Football is going to have to be a metaphor for today, okay? You knew it was coming, especially after the Gamecocks won yesterday. Let's give a hoot for that. Except for Justin. We know he's a, one of those outliers, wears orange. And, anyway, so do it with all diligence, so this is a, another example of this. In Ephesians 6, 18, this is what it says. It says, oh, oh, the Clemson fan isn't going to put it up there now. That's all right. I've got it in front of me. Ephesians 6, 18. And t- <laughs> well, I've got the, okay, here we go. Verse 18, praying. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. With all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Praying at all times, and that says with what? With perseverance. There is no giving up in this. There is a full all-in or nothing kind of mentality. Praying at all times. Here's, here's a huge one right here. 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. 
Let's just say that together since it's so simple, right? Here's, here's your first memory verse if you haven't been doing that, right? Pray, say this with me, pray without ceasing. What does that mean? Don't stop, all right? Pray without ceasing. We were talking about this uh, this last week in our, our, our Bible study with the guys, and it was like, you know, this isn't necessarily just one part. Prayer is not necessarily intended for just one part of the day. You know, Diane and I, when we talk to each other, we don't just get together before she leaves for work and say, all right, huddle up, I love you, hope you have a great day, and then I don't talk to her for the rest of the day. It doesn't work like that. What kind of relationship is that? Hey, honey, if you got something to say, get it in now. Get it in. Pray without ceasing. We're talking, when we talk about the Lord, we're talking about this is a relationship that we have with Him. Pray without ceasing means that somehow, we're going to have to think through this a little bit, somehow prayer has to take place all the way throughout the entire day. And if you think about prayer traditionally, as in setting aside time and getting off by yourself, it's probably not going to work so well, is it? You may not maintain a job. Okay, so what does that mean? We're going to come back to that a little bit and think about that. Pray without ceasing. In Luke 18, verses 1 through 8, there's an example, this story, this parable that Jesus tells. And it says this, he tells this story for a reason. In verse 1 it says, He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Okay, you should not lose heart. You need to always pray and not lose heart. And Jesus says, let me give you an example. It's kind of like this lady. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who, who neither feared God nor respected man. So this guy, is, he's not a believer. He doesn't care about believers. And he said, that kind of person. He says, and there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused but afterward, he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet, because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. So this is a lady that just kept coming to this judge day after day after day after day, saying, Give me justice, give me justice fix this situation, you're a judge, give me justice. The whole squeaky wheel, right, gets the grease kind of thing, right? I'm going to continually come day after day to the point that this judge was saying, this lady is beating me down with her persistence. <coughs> the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He says, if an unrighteous judge is like this, he says, what will I be like? His point in this story is not that, hey, you've got to ask me a million times before I answer, but his point is diligence. It's continuing to come to him. It's continuing to trust, continuing to have faith that he will answer. And he says at the beginning, I'm telling the story so that what? So that you don't lose heart. 
pray at all times in the Spirit. Pray without ceasing. Pray always and don't lose heart. I think that's an interesting passage because the question we have sometimes about these promises when it comes to prayer is, well, what's going on? I've prayed for something. I've asked for something. I didn't get it. Or I prayed for something and it didn't happen. Found out my mom, for example, I've been praying for her, found out that she's not going to get her job back at VC Summer. She's applied at plants that she'll be at permanently in places like Ohio, Louisiana, and uh, Chicago, all these other places. And so she's, you know, according to the way things look now, she's moving. And we're like, well, Lord, I've been praying for this. We claim all these promises. So what, what happens then in those moments of doubt? It's not a comfortable question to bring up, but you're all asking it. You know, because you've all prayed for things too, and it, you didn't get your way. Things didn't happen the way you wanted them to. So what's the deal? I want to balance the promises out with some of the things, some of the caveats, if you will, some of the things that God says um, about prayer on this side. Why, why no answer? He goes in James chapter 4, and we've read this before. He talks about this person. He says, You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and you quarrel. He's talking to all these people in the book of James. And he says, You do not have, first of all, because you do not ask. There's the first step. You do not ask. Sometimes you really don't even take the time to pray. We just hope things will happen. Or we're definitely not praying with any kind of diligence, any kind of urgency. He says, you, you, ha- you don't have because you do not ask, for one. But then he says, you ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly. Or other passages, uh, other versions say, with wrong motives. To spend it on your passions. You know, Lord, I really would like you to provide me with a car. Lord, I'd really like you to provide me with this or that. So there's wrong motives that get in place, wrong reasons, wrong attitudes of the heart. Lord, I want you to answer, and I'm asking for this because but the motives are messed up. There are times that our motives are messed up. Now, I don't know if my motives are messed up with my mom. You know, I just want my mom here. But there are certainly times where our motives are in the wrong place when we pray for things. And so the Lord knows the motives of our heart. Sometimes we're not even really sure the condition of our heart, why we feel the way we feel about things. But God knows. So there's one thing to consider. Another thing is this, 1 John 5, 14 says this. This is a very interesting verse. It says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him toward the Lord, right? That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. If we ask anything, key phrase, according to His will, something that the Lord says, yes, you should do this, you should have it, this should change, whatever the prayer is. If you ask anything according to His will, He hears us. How do we do that? How do we ask things according to His will? will. We talked about a passage earlier where a lot of these promises, if you look at them closely, say 
abide in me and I in you. Talks about a really close-knit relationship. Let me give you an example of what I mean by that. You know, it's kind of like there are things that I know that if I ask Diane is not her will, right? That I don't even ask her. I just like, I automatically know the answer to Sunday morning, let's go out to lunch at the wing place. Probably not going to be. But if I say, hey, let's get sushi, we are in sync. Yes. You know, honestly, I'm tired of sushi, but she loves sushi. If we ask anything according to his will, it says that he hears us. And we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, and we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. There is this need that we have when it comes to prayer, when we ask the Lord for something, to be in sync with the Lord, to have our hearts in the right place. If we know the Lord, if we spend time with the Lord, you know, things, we we understand the heart of God. The more time we spend with him, the more time we become like him, the the more we understand him as well. Here's another interesting passage, okay? Philippians 4. 6 through 7, one of my favorites. It says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about stuff, right? Nothing. Don't worry about it. Instead, in everything, pray, right? In everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and he will give it to you. doesn't say that, does it? This is interesting. Let your requests be made known to God, and it says this, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In this particular passage, pray about everything, take it to Him, and God will give you peace. And I believe that peace that He gives sometimes is a peace, as He says, that passes all understanding. We don't understand why we have this peace, but it's this feeling that kind of washes over us. It's this sense of wholeness, the sense of, of a good well-being, if you will, that says, I've got this. Everything's okay. That, this example with my mom, for example, when I, when I pray about it, I do have peace knowing that no matter what happens, that everything's going to be okay. I'll find a way to see my mom. I won't have her here, you know, right now. But somehow I have to know that God's, Here's the real key to prayer, in control, that I can trust him. That he knows better than me. You see, here's, here's, here's something that we don't consider, too. When it comes to, if you ask, when you were a kid, when you asked your parents for something, what were the options of the things that they could say? Yes, no, maybe was really more about they hadn't made up, it's either a yes or a no. Then we need some time, wait, right? The maybe was really just a stall tactic by parents to say, wait a minute, hold on, give me some time, figure this out, or to push them off. I don't think the Lord is like, I don't think the Lord gives us a maybe. I think it's a yes, a no, or wait, okay? Which even at the end of waiting still leads to a yes or a no or to something else that we never even considered. Maybe we're asking for the wrong things. Maybe we're, we're not even considering some things. Because, see, here's what we have to remember, right? God is so much bigger than we are. God can see so much 
more than we can. God is, God can see into the future and we cannot. He knows things we simply don't know because he's God, right? If you're going to trust in anybody, it needs to be him because he sees things that we don't. You know, when we're, we're younger kids, the only answer there should be for us is yes, right? Because we just want it, want it, want it. There is no no, or, or we will cry, or we will throw a fit, you know, we'll throw whatever tantrums, you know. Yes is the only answer, but we have to realize that in reality, especially when it comes to the Lord, no is also an answer. It's not just yes, because he does, like a parent, know what is best for his children. You know, Jesus himself, as he was going to the cross, you imagine what he was facing. It wasn't just being nailed to a cross. It wasn't the death itself. And we've mentioned this before. It was taking upon himself all the sin of the entire world. Never felt bad for doing something wrong? You know that feeling. Multiply that by billions. Billions and just that load. And Jesus, in this particular moment, as he is praying in Luke 22, if you throw that up there for me, Justin, it says, He withdrew from them, talking about the disciples, about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. And he said this, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. This cup is the stuff that's ahead, the cross, all these things. If you're willing. But then he said what? This is his attitude. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Lord, this is really what I want. This is really what I'm asking for. But his attitude was, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. There's an aspect of trust there, knowing that he does know what's best. Prayer really boils down, if you ask me, to two things. It's all about trust, and it's all about relationship. Because prayer really is, is a lot more than just asking for stuff. It's a conversation. It's time with the Lord. It's talking to Him about anything and everything. There's a verse I want to close with to remind you of this need that we have for trust. And, and it comes out of Proverbs chapter 3. And he says this, he says, My son, do not forget my teaching." But let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. That's a really another cool promise. Following what the Lord says gives you a longer life and peace. Who doesn't want that? It says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. In other words, they need to be a big part of your life. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. It's got to be deep on the inside. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. And then this is the part that you, you know better than the rest. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Every part of you, right? The heart is the center. It's your being. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And then it says, and do not lean 
on your own understanding. It's not about what you think you know. We, we have plans. We say, Lord, if I have this, things will be better. The Lord's like, no, trust me. You don't want this. I know Davey's been through some stuff you're figuring out. Lord, should I take this job, not do this job? What should I do next? We all have those moments. And sometimes if we lean on what we think is best, we think this looks beautiful. This is the perfect road. But the Lord sees beyond it. Just because we think we know stuff doesn't mean we know the right decision. He does. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. You ever been in that position before? I do it all the time like a bonehead with Diane. I think I know the answer and I am destined to be right. I know I'm right. You ever been convinced that you're right until you realize you're wrong? You ever been in that moment? Is anybody going to admit it? Okay, no, never. In all your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And what? He will make straight your paths. What I want to encourage you to do this week is to go back to the fundamentals. Is to really consider this week the fundamental of prayer. You need something? Go to the Lord. Since we talked about the asking thing. But what we really need more than stuff or things or answers even is just simply time with Him. We need a conversation going with Him. I want you to consider prayer a little differently this week and, and even beginning today. That it's not just a moment in the morning or in the afternoon or whenever you've had quiet times in the past that maybe you had or haven't had in a while, whatever, where you, where you are. But that it's a continual conversation throughout the day. Can you go through the rest of today? Let's begin with today, right? It's a good place to start. With the Lord on your mind. And just like you would talk with your wife for example, your kids throughout the day, whatever, any kind of conversation you have with someone, once in a while, say something and listen. God speaks in different ways, but say something. Throughout the day, be conscious of the Lord's presence. That's what it means to walk with the Lord. You know, it's, you're in the car and you're, you're, you begin to think about what's ahead. Lord, I, I thank you for the opportunity today to... You know, Eric and I are going to have lunch today. Hang out with Eric. Lord, I pray you'd be with Eric with, you know, with his two jobs and his crazy schedule as he goes throughout the week. You know, you're driving along and see water on the side of the road. It reminds you of Texas. Lord, man, please be with those people. Or, you know, there's a temptation that arises. Lord, help me with this. Or, Lord, thank you for this. You know, it doesn't have to be this 30 minutes of time or whatever it is. You you know, don't stop that stuff if you're, if you're good with that in the mornings. But it's got to be an all-day conversation. Use diligence with that. Pray. That's what it means to pray without ceasing. But you never forget the Lord is right, right by your side. That's huge. As simple as it is, it's really 
difficult. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 26? We don't have this up there. He's talking to the disciples. Jesus prays and gets up a minute and goes over to the disciples and says, Hey, can you guys you know, watch him pray with me? And he gets frustrated with them because they fall asleep. Anybody ever prayed and fell asleep? Fall asleep? You've done it. Okay. But he says this to them. He says, you know what? Pray. Watch and pray. He says, the spirit, I love this, the spirit is willing. Right? Spirit is willing. But the flesh is weak. You're going to fail. You're going to flop. You're going to mess up. You're going to have great intentions. But you know what? The spirit is willing. Be diligent. Don't give up. Would you stand with me? And let's pray together.